Hi, I'm Richard Bond, and I am the producer and director of the Tupac Assassination movies. Over the last 12 years, I have learned a lot about Tupac, and I'd like to share with you what I know. Well, hey, everybody, it's RJ Bond, and with me, as always, is Mr. J.M. Kazi. Hey, how you doing out there, folks? We are here, and boy, do we have some news for this week. Um, we have learned, and we'll talk a little bit about how we learned it, but we have learned two kind of big bombshells for the week. And as always, we try to get you information as soon as we get it, and that it's important, and you know that we got the docs, and you know that we got the proof if we're putting something out. So, uh, with, with no further ado, let's talk about the two big bombshells that we got. I'll name one and Kazi will name the other one. Make Is that okay? Is that all right? We'll do that that way? All right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. So, the first bombshell, and I'm going to leave you the good one. The first bombshell that I'm going to drop is that there was, and we never knew this before, there was a grand jury convened in the Tupac Shakur murder investigation. The grand jury was convened by the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, and they were responsible for issuing all kinds of subpoenas and all kinds of evidence came from that grand jury. And we had never known that. That was a piece of it that I mean, Kazi, I'd never heard of it. Have you heard of that before? Never. Never heard of it. I, I never even thought that it was even possible, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, that, they did. They There there was a grand jury that was convened. I, I, I'm not sure when it was. I'm assuming it was shortly after the investigation started. And the reason that you convene a grand jury is because you want to subpoena uh, records that may not be given to you because of privacy concerns or legal issues, uh, the grand jury goes ahead and subpoenas those. But the reason that you get a grand jury together is if you have a case and you're making a case and you go to the grand jury and you ask them to support your case by issuing these subpoenas. And you have to have probable cause. You have to have a reason to ask for these things. You can't just say, hey, it's part of an investigation, so we need it. Okay. Uh, but they did go to the grand jury. The grand jury did give them and issue subpoenas from it. There will be more to follow up on this, and we're going to start digging in to try to see if we can find out when the grand jury was held, who may have been on the grand jury, uh, if there's any information about it out there. But that cat has now officially been let out of the bag, so we're certainly going to follow up on that and, and give you the information as we find it out. Kazi, what's the other big bombshell? Break it. Well, the biggest bombshell, in my opinion, is going to be that Las Vegas Metropolitan PD has in their vaults the copy of the full MGM footage on the night of September 7th, 1996. That's huge. That's huge. Absolutely. I mean, I, to touch on it just from a perspective of everything that we've ever known and everything that we've never known, this is probably, I would say, an amount footage because, you know, we've always speculated who could have been the person that has released the, the just the minimal footage of whatever was released, if that was in part of David Kenner or who it was that did it, 
I mean, and beyond that, let me ask you, who who do you think released that little piece of footage that was released to the public? Well, that was that was David Kenner that was responsible, I believe, for releasing that footage. That footage made the light of day because what they were trying to do was bolster a case for Suge Knight being innocent of the Orlando Anderson uh, beating that he was being tried for. And I still could never figure out for the life of me why Suge Knight was, um, you know, charged with that. And and yet Heron or Buntry and everybody else that participated, including Tupac himself, why weren't all of them other guys charged with it? Why was Suge Knight the only guy charged? And, and, I mean, you look at the tape, I mean, clearly... He's got the least to do with it. Yeah, he's there, but he isn't the one that gave that 50-yard punt. You know, Buntry looked like he was going to go for a 50-yard field goal with Tupac or with Orlando Anderson. Okay, he was he he was hitting for he was going for the uprights, man. He was you know that was a, a ball hit. He's trying to hit it out of the park. So I know that there should have been others charged with it. I mean, when you think about it. You know, normally the way they do it is they catch the guys that are the underlings and you they sweat them and they pin them down to try to roll over on the bigger guy. I mean, the fact that they didn't just, I mean, look at Reggie Wright's criminal case. They indicted like 80 people. I mean, I can imagine what that courtroom looked like if they all showed up at one time. You got like 25 people in a room with their attorneys. But, you know, in that case, they indicted like 15, 20 people. Um, and the reason you do that is you get as many as you can get something on and then you bargain and leverage that to get them to turn on the person that you really want to get. I mean, it was kind of an all or nothing thing to go after Suge because, yeah, maybe they wanted him in jail. Maybe they wanted him on all that. But when you think about what they were doing, they could have gotten the other guys and hoped that maybe they could leverage those other guys to make a deal or something like that that would have given them better evidence than what they had because the tape by itself, you know, and Frank Alexander was asked to, you know, to make to testify by Reggie to testify on Suge's behalf that Suge was trying to break the situation up and not, uh, you know, not be part of it. And of course, Frank didn't want to have anything to do with that because he knew he knew what time of day it was. You know, Suge wasn't trying to break anything up, but. Um, but show was like the most minimally involved. So they so they were trying to make a case to try to get Shug to not be put in prison. And so they leaked that tape because and it was from the most favorable angles, I'm sure. I don't think there was only one camera in that area at the time. They showed us what the view was from one angle, but I'm guessing there were probably three or four other cameras uh that may not have been on that you know, where they're changing, you know, they change angles every five seconds, they change angles on the cameras. Um, there are probably more stationary camera views than that. And, um, you know, plus cameras everywhere. So I think that's where that part came from. But check this out. I have been asked so many times over the past 15 years by people that, and you, to your point, where they say, well, is there more to the MGM footage than this? Or who has the MGM footage? Or do you think Vegas got the MGM footage and 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 the 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 power of that. Well, it isn't just the thing about Suge. I mean, you know, they have it all. Okay, they have it all. They got it from the grand jury, and they've got the MGM footage. They got any and all the footage that they ever wanted to have. Okay, now let's talk about for a minute about how this plays out because it's kind of important. We've been saying this for a long time. I've been saying that. Corey Edwards, who was Orlando Anderson's buddy, 
the first statements that he made to the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police in his in his statement was that Orlando Anderson, after the incident involving Suge Knight and Tupac, that after that incident was over, he went to a bar or a lounge at the MGM. Never left the hotel, went to the bar. And there was Corey Edwards and a couple other people and a basketball player, if I'm not mistaken. There was a name involved with it. Huh? It was uh, Stacey Ogden. There you go. Yeah, there you go. And that basketball player was there. And, you know, generally you don't name names like that because how quickly could Stacy say, I wasn't there? I mean, why would you name names? And that's why I've always believed it to be credible. I don't care what he says later, but I believe it to be credible at the time that he said it because he's dropping names of people that could easily just say, I wasn't there and blow your whole, blow your whole statement. You know what I mean? So... I think whenever, Phil Carson's kind of that way too, whenever somebody's not afraid to name names, that means they're not afraid to get other people involved and back their case. So, Well, oh. well here's the other thing too, is if, and if, if he was lying about them being at the bar, then it could, it could, it could have simply been refuted with footage from the, from the hotel. Well, right, yeah. It, said, yeah. Let's go review the footage and let's see if you're even there. Right. Let's well, prove this. Yeah, well, and... and, so, and yeah, I think that's right. Well, I think that I think that you, just like you said, they they could have very easily uh, verified or discounted Corey Edwards' statement about being at the bar at the MGM. I mean, it would be kind of a silly thing to say. I mean, it would be kind of like me telling my wife that I didn't go to the casino because there's video footage of me at the casino. So if she was able to get a hold of that video footage, it's going to show I was at the casino. So it's a pretty stupid thing to say, especially at a casino, one of the most heavily cameraed places on the planet, to say you were or weren't there. Well, it's the same thing with Corey Edwards. He's going to say not only was he with there, but Orlando Anderson was there, and there's Stacey Ogman was there as well. Now you're talking about your name and people that are in that place knowing full well that there's cameras that are going to prove you wrong. And the one thing you don't want to be doing is lying to the cops under oath. Okay, you fill out a statement under penalty of perjury. You're, you're, that's the last thing you're going to be doing is, is, is doing that. Besides, he didn't, at the time, I don't think Corey Edwards really understood everything that was at stake because that's why they tried to interview him so soon after the event because people don't have a, time, have a chance to sit down and kind of do all the math and figure it out and figure out what the politically correct position to take is. They just said, hey, what happened? And he told them what happened. That's, that's why it's so important in the first 48 hours of any investigation to get as many witness statements as you can because people don't have time to change their stories later or figure out or get coerced or figure out that maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe the better thing to say would be X, Y, Z. Um, and they do that. So it's important that you get that information, you know, right away. And, and, and generally speaking, you know, the, the, there may be people that make mistakes like, well, it was a red car versus a, a maroon car. They make, make some witness statements that, that aren't exactly correct. But, you know, when you're going to sit there and say that you were with certain people and he was with you with certain people, especially a guy, you know, you're dropping a name of a guy who has absolutely no skin in the game at all. And you're, putting, you're in there. That's pretty memorable. So I would think that if Corey Edwards was lying that would have come out in the Las Vegas footage. And I think that part of the reason that the Las Vegas footage has never been released is because Vegas police does not want people to know what's true and what's not because 
this is similar to the way that, you know, the problems that Russ Poole and I had when we released the confession letter to the Los Angeles Police Department. They're on the other hand. You know, Vegas has done everything they can to lock everything up and lock it down, and people have been mad about it. But then on the other side of the equation, you got the LAPD, which is leaking like a bad swimming pool. It's, you know, just they're constantly leaking documents. When Russ Poole and I went to them with the confession letter, they intentionally leaked the documents out to Greg Cading and his minions, and they, I believe anyway, allegedly, uh, and they put that information out there and the reason they put it out was because the evidence never had a chance to be examined by law enforcement before it made it to the public. Once it's made public, then the people that could be interviewed, they have a chance, to, like I said earlier, about have a chance to think about it. You have a chance to talk to a couple of people. They can tell you what to say, what not to say, what you probably shouldn't say. All of that kind of coaching that can happen. And they just have a general chance to circle the wagons and deny it and all that. So nobody's surprised by it. I think that in the case of the confession letter, I think the Pattons would have been surprised about being confronted by law enforcement because they didn't have any idea that the confession letter was still a thing. You know, for all they knew, it could have been thrown in the trash 17 years ago and nobody ever thought about it again. But here it is, you know, it revives itself. And if the police had asked them questions about stuff, they wouldn't have had a chance to even think about what it was they were answering or why. They would have maybe given some better information, certainly not completely denied everything like they did when Greg Kading talked to them because they already knew what was being said. They knew that it was a thing and that Greg Kading wanted to uh, debunk it. And, you know, again, no evidence, but just debunk it because they said no, nah, you know, there, there it is, case closed. But... Right. But at the end of the day, the LAPD was the complete opposite of the Las Vegas Police Department. And it's no wonder the Las Vegas Police Department didn't trust the LAPD. Because look what happens. They get their hands on damn evidence and they leak it. Okay? They, they, can't, they can't be trusted to hold evidence in confidence and, and uh, be, do the right thing and do what's right. They instead put stuff that could have been investigated, could have been leads, regardless of whether or not they thought that they were important, not important, truthful, not truthful, good or bad leads, they could have at least been followed to see whether or not they were. Somebody made a, a snap judgment because it didn't go along with Darren Dupree's narrative uh, that it wasn't important. And so they just they leaked it out to try to kill it in utero because these things have a chance when they're evidence and they're locked away, they have a chance to have their own value at some point later on. Maybe the confession letter itself may not have any value, but it may lead to something that does. And so holding on to that confession letter, what's in it, the contents that are in it, uh, could be a way to further the investigation or go down a path that nobody had thought of before. But it's spoiled once it's leaked, and, and Katie and all them, they all knew that. It's spoiled when you put it out in the public opinion and people have a chance to circle the wagons. Uh, so... I, I think that the this tactic that Vegas has been taking in holding the MGM footage for all this time, uh, I think that that's, that speaks a lot to the fact that they don't want to just close this case for whatever, whatever reason or blame the dead guy, that they want to solve this case. And I think that they are interested in a narrative that is not the Orlando Anderson narrative. They had the chance to arrest Orlando Anderson and they didn't, okay? I don't know where that fell when the Compton raids went on, the Compton police sweep. I don't know when that was in relation to when this grand jury subpoena was being done. 
But based on the fact that I've never heard anything from Greg Kading about it, and I've never heard anything from anybody else, Kathy Scott, anybody else that covered that case that had that contact. And I say Kathy Scott because, you know, she was the one claiming that she had direct access, uh, um, not Brent Becker, but uh, who was the uh, the lead? Kevin, uh, um, Kevin Manning. Kevin Manning, yeah. He was the guy who was the lead investigator. He lived right across the street from her. And so she always thought that she had access, and she always bragged how she had such great access to him. And, uh, you know, and to me, she always thought that was how she got her, got a lot of her information and stuff. But, you know, she never mentioned that. There was never a mention on, in her book or anybody's book about a grand jury. So that tells you how confidential they wanted to keep it and how much they were keeping it out. They were doing the work. They were doing the work, Kazi, but they weren't letting anybody know what work that they were doing. Because, you know, we got a bunch of blabbermouth sissies out there that just want to, you know, just want to blurt everything out. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, and, well, but, wasn't, wasn't Las Vegas Leary, Leary of, of LAPD? Well, of course they were. Take a look at who you're dealing with. I mean, that's the thing. Look who you're dealing with. I mean, you know, look what they did to us. How can I sit there and say that they have any credibility whatsoever in terms of how they hold evidence when you got these guys that, that were deputy chiefs of police, Kirk Albanese, you got these other guys that were the head of robbery homicide that were in there. And when I complained about the fact that that information got leaked, they didn't do anything. They did fuck all. And in fact, I got confirmation from the investigator they put on it, Dolly Swanson, that yeah, that information was leaked. That we, I have written confirmation from the LAPD that that information was leaked from within the LAPD. And yet they refused to serve a search warrant on Darren Dupree's email or his computer, or Greg Kading's computer, to see if that information had been sent from Darren Dupree, from inside the LAPD, to Greg Kading, or to anybody else for that matter, okay? They, 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 Dolly Swanson was refused a search warrant uh, on that case, okay? So that tells me right there that Vegas had every right in the world to be suspicious about uh, LAPD, because unfortunately... You know, I'm sure there's a lot of good cops out there, but they really get screwed over by the corruption, the level of corruption. And we're not talking about something that happened 20 years ago. This happened five fucking years ago. This was this was something that was a uh, something that happened within recent memory, and you know, and or seven years ago maybe at this point. But it, it had happened in recent memory. This isn't a distant memory about the corrupt LAPD. They leaked this stuff, and then when they were caught leaking it. The super, the, his superiors and the people there in internal affairs, they didn't want to do anything about it. Okay? Right. So, yeah. So, obviously, Vegas didn't trust the LAPD. But what's interesting is that Vegas has had, because of Chuck Phillips and a lot of other people, Vegas has had a bad rap. Vegas PD has had a bad rap about the investigation because LAPD thinks, because they're so freaking arrogant, they think that if they don't know what's going on, then something must not be happening. And the L.A. County sheriffs are the same way. We don't know if we haven't heard anything about it, so it must not be happening. Yet not only are these guys investigating, but they're convening a freaking grand jury over this stuff. Okay? Uh-huh. They're doing the work. They ain't telling anybody what they're doing, but they're doing the work. And they did it in such a way that Eagle Eye, Kathy Scott, and the uh, Las Vegas Journal, Gazette Review, whatever the hell it's named, uh, they never caught that. And they're right there. It was right under their noses, and, it, and it, nobody ever knew. So bravo to the Vegas Police Department for getting that right, because it shows that shit can still get done without being caught by these people who think they know everything about everything. Okay? 
Because I'll go back and I'll read Kathy Scott's book again. I guarantee you she says nothing about a grand jury in there. Okay? Right. And, and I, I can't recall either. Yeah. And, and listen, we'll put it out there to the fans. Send to rjbond, what I know at outlook.com. Send us an email. Let us know. If you know where somebody mentioned a grand jury, then you've got to jump on me because after 15 years, I've never heard of a grand jury being convened to get evidence on the Tupac Shakur investigation. And I think that that spits in the face of everybody who, who said that Vegas PD, quote unquote, wasn't doing anything. Sounds like they were doing a hell of a lot more than anybody knew they were doing, you know. But, but that's our society now. If I don't know about it, it isn't happening. So, you know. Stupid. No, that's great. It's great uh, information. I mean, when we show the document, I mean, of course, you'll be able to put your, lay your eyes on what it is it, um, that is there on paper. You know, it's not something that's made up and we're just, you know, wanting to bring this across as some kind of folklore. I mean, this is the real deal. And this is a real document. And, you know, I, I don't think I'm at liberty to, to speculate where the document came from. But either either way, regardless, if it's, it's here and you can see it with your own eyes. Well, I can tell you that not only did we get the document, we got the document legally. The document was part of legal paperwork, and it is legitimate, it is official, and it confirms exactly what we've been saying. And one of the other things that confirms this is a nothing, but Tupac Assassination, Conspiracy of Revenge, was the first movie that came out and talked about them using Sprint Nextel phones, okay? And, you know, and one of the other things that we saw in that paperwork was that they also were going after Sprint record documents, and those were part of their file, was the Sprint phone records. So I know that that's true as well. And that's always a little bit of thing because, you know, we got a lot of heat over that. Somebody said that they were going to sue us and sue Sprint Nextel because that wasn't true. And they, they, didn't, they had Motorola phones. They didn't have Sprint phones. Sure, they didn't have Sprint phones. Okay. So... Yeah, you know, and, and that, that I, again, you know, man, Kazi, we've been saying for how long? This thing is not over. This thing is far from over, okay? It ain't case closed because if, and I'm just talking about the MGM footage, if they have footage of Orlando Anderson sitting at a bar with Corey Edwards and this other cat, like Corey Edwards said, and they got that footage, Orlando Anderson is out as far as the suspect goes because they can't make the timeline. The amount of things that happened between, and then Keith Davis even screws it up more by talking about going to a liquor store and hanging out and all that and other nonsense. The timeline is blown, okay? I, Kazi, did you ever get to read the Vibe magazine article about the timeline where they went out and actually walked the events as they were supposed to have happened uh, and, and, and did that? Because they they did I a fit. Yeah. Did you catch Did you catch I that? Didn't. Yeah. You I, should. I didn't. But yeah. I heard. But I, I. But I've heard. I've heard the story of the timeline, and the timeline doesn't fit. Right. It, that what they did was they went out and they walked the timeline, and they said, okay, starting with what time we know that certain things happened, like what time the fight ended and all that. They would do, and they would say, okay, they went down to this place, and they waited for their car or valet. On a typical fight night, on this case, if you're a celebrity, under these circumstances, it would take you 20 minutes to get to your car. 
And every time they had an estimate, they would actually do the most conservative estimate they could. They weren't trying to build a narrative. They were trying to be as conservative as they could with the estimates on the Times. And they interviewed valets. They interviewed bartenders. They interviewed the people at the fight. They went into this whole big thing, and they walked down every single step of what happened, and they estimated how much time it would take. And they said, based on the evidence and information that they had collected, Orlando Anderson was an hour late for his own shooting. Okay, that's what they came up with, that Orlando Anderson was an hour late for his own shooting. Okay, that he could not have been at the place that they claimed for him to have been if all of those things that they know happened actually happened in the order that they did. So they busted that theory out there. I did a a similar version of it in Tupac uh, 187, The Red Knight. Um, we did a similar version with Keith Davis's thing where when he talks about going to a liquor store and waiting around and then they went to the food court and they had some dinner and they were very laissez-faire about the whole thing that the that they were actually even later than that. I think we clocked them in at like two and a half hours late for the shooting uh, by the time they got done with their shit. So that stuff's out there. I encourage you guys to look it up. It's Vibe Magazine and they did the breakdown. It's the timeline of the, the Tupac killing that they walked it and it's very informative and of course nobody reads that stuff anymore because you know it's too bad that you know they don't want to know they don't even want to think about the fact there might be some other alternative theory out there than what what orlando anderson is but like i said before vegas police has the mgm tapes and we don't know but if the mgm tapes happen to confirm that Corey Edwards was, in fact, at the bar with Orlando Anderson for a significant period of time before they all decided to go their separate ways and do that, then, number one, that completely blows away anything Keith Davis said because Keith Davis has never mentioned going to, the, going to a bar with Corey Edwards and Stacey Ogman and all that kind of stuff. Never mentioned that, okay? Right. And, and uh, so that blows that out that he didn't know what the hell he was talking about. It also blows out the timeline in terms of how Orlando Anderson could have gotten to the places that he got in order to catch the entourage and do the things that they were going to do. Uh, that that definitely um, does not speak well for that theory if they have that. And that's why I keep saying, you know, when they went to do the Compton raid and they told him Orlando Anderson, you know, says, you know, am I under arrest? And Brent Becker says, for what? Brent Becker was an investigator on the case. He knew damn well they had those tapes. Okay. He knew damn well what was on those tapes. So when he says to Orlando Anderson, he says, am I under arrest? And he says, arrest you for what? Okay. That says it all, dude. And now we know for a fact that they had those MGM tapes. And they know what's on those MGM tapes. And simple logic tells me, just simple logic tells me, that if Corey Edwards was lying and Corey Edwards wasn't being truthful, they would have that on the tape, and there might be a case against Orlando Anderson. But the only way, or not the only way, but one of the only ways, one of the few ways that they could absolutely absolve Orlando Anderson circumstantially for being a suspect in the shooting is if they have some evidence that Orlando Anderson was somewhere else. Okay? That he was somewhere else. That's called an alibi. Okay? And that's the number one thing that they use to get people when the people aren't guilty. That's why, because you were at the movies or you were someplace else other than where they think you might have been at the time the shooting happened. Okay? So, I think that that's big news. Now, the next big thing, well, of course, could we ever get a hold of that footage? Wouldn't that be cool? Oh, yeah, absolutely. What is, what is it going to take? What do you think it's, it's going to take 
to be able to obtain that footage. Well, they say that they the they say that the MGM tapes are in the evidence vault. They are located at the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department evidence vault. So if you can figure out a way to talk your way in past the security and we can get into the evidence vault, we could probably get the tapes. But I don't think that's going to be very possible. So the other way is only if they're compelled in some way to get those tapes um, from Vegas PD. You know, that's the... That's the only way. If a news agency or somebody else uh, can try to convince them, and then they have to fight the argument that Vegas police may say those tapes are critical to the investigation. And of course, they're not going to, even though the state of Nevada is a grant by default state and they allow you to uh, access when possible, the public has right to access police documents, um, that if the police can make a case that there's a reason that they don't want to give you that document, don't want to make it public, uh, and that and that reason is true, then they don't have to give them to you. So, you know, if somebody could make the case that those that footage is 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 not valuable or that that footage doesn't have anything to do with the investigation, which, you know, clearly if if Orlando Anderson was was the guy who did the shooting, the MGM tapes don't have a lot of value because everybody knows that there was a beating. And if you have enough evidence to convict him of the murder, the beating doesn't happen. All the beating really does is give kind of a background. It might give something towards motive. But if you already have enough evidence to convict somebody of murder, you put the gun in their hands and they've shot somebody like Keith Davis is trying to elude. You have eyewitnesses. It really doesn't matter what the motive is because you've got eyewitnesses. The only reason motive really comes into play is if you have what's called a circumstantial case and there's no direct evidence and the only evidence you have is called circumstantial evidence, which means that, you know, you have to build the circumstances to make that event happen rather than direct evidence. So it, it, I think it's extremely telling into uh, the value of the MGM footage. And, you know, maybe there's another angle that might or a clear. Can you imagine <coughs> the tapes that we have right now are like really um, kind of murky. I've tried to clean them up digitally as much as I could. But the source is like analog vhs tapes to begin with what what if the what, what yeah but what if the mgm footage was like high def i mean what if the original master footage is high def you know all these people running around saying that greg kading borrowed somebody's las vegas police department uniform and when you look at the picture of the guy and the, you know the guy that's supposed to be greg kading the face, the face is so contorted. I mean, it could be anybody. It, you know, it's just got this blonde hair with this all fucked up face. It's all it looks like a guy has been in a burn or something. You know, got his face burned up. You know, it's all it's all contorted. You really can't tell anybody's facial features. I mean, I might as well draw a stick man in the crowd and say that that's somebody because it's about that clear. Yeah, it's about that clear. So you know, you got that, and then they got the same the same crew that's saying Greg Kading borrowed a Las Vegas Police Department uniform to do you know, what costume party that night or something. They're the same. They're the same people that said that Kevin Gaines is there and that uh, Sharitha was there, that I was there. You know, they, 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 they got everybody. Everybody was at the MGM that night. That was like the entire city of Los Angeles went to the MGM. So, you know, it was one, it was one grand conspiracy. It was Reggie Wright senior was there and, and Reggie Wright senior just decided to put on a MGM coat 
you know, I guess I guess he could find out where the employee locker room was, put on one of the MGM security coats, wore that, and then you got uh, and then you got Greg Cady borrowing the the Las Vegas police uniform. Well, here's what's weird about that. Well, I won't even get into that. One day we'll talk about High Seer Randall and Reggie and High Seer Randall and what they found. They actually found in a, in a, in a dude that was uh, a relation to Reggie. Uh, they found uh, this guy, Heisen Randall, when they arrested him, they found a bunch of old police uniforms and badges and stuff like that. And they had no reason to understand why this guy would have a bunch of police uniforms in the back of his car. So maybe he was oh, doing really? dress up. Yeah, maybe he was doing dress up, too. I don't know. But, you know, maybe maybe he was loaning out police uniforms for Greg Kading. I don't know. He had an old, old uh, sheriff's badge and everything in Vegas. So you never know. These things are kind of weird that way. But. This, what if the MGM footage that Vegas has is like, you know, clear? Can you imagine if it was like really clear footage that they, that they had? And, and so, you know, and of course, if you have the really clear footage, and this is the fun part, then they'd look at that thing of Greg Kading and they'd be like, oh, you know, mudge, mudgy face that we see, they've got a clear shot of the guy. They're like, oh, no, that ain't Greg Kading. Give, give me a break, you know? And, and I'm sure they probably laugh their asses off when they see some of these knucklehead videos that people put out and be like, oh, yeah, there's Greg Kading in the Vegas police uniform. And there's, oh, there's, there's, you know, whomever. There's Kevin Gaines. There's that, you know, I mean, could Kevin Gaines have actually been at the fight? That's actually a pretty legitimate theory. I don't know that that video actually shows us that anything that that's Kevin Gaines or not. I mean, shoot, that could have been, that could have been Malcolm Patton for all we know. You know, it's, it's hard to tell by that murky video quality you know malcolm Patton could have been malcolm x for all we know you know but right, right. nevertheless you know it the 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 footage that vegas has is going to be way clearer than anything that what we've got you run the outside looking in look at me and then look at them I guess it's better to prejudge than me to get beat up because of my black skin. I can't win. 13% of America was black, but 23% of the murder was black. At the hand of police, I can't believe these are facts. In the streets, there's a beast and a target on my back. Oh, Ray Charles can see it. Stevie can feel it. Obama can speak it while GOP sweeps it under the rug because they don't care about us. Like MJ said, that's why they wanted him dead. And Malcolm X Martin got killed by the feds. I probably got white tabs under my bed. I probably be murdered. For the things I said, or play me like I'm crazy, like it's all in my head. But don't shoot, I can't breathe. I got electric guys on me. I ain't a thug, there's no drugs, and I ain't got no guns on me. But now I see black lives don't matter. Black lives don't matter. Black lives don't matter. Black lives don't matter. Black lives don't Matter the most, is why they shatter our hopes That's why they scatter like roach, when they hearing our quote Just because I'm young and black, don't mean I'm slanging no dope Some are highly educated, why you want it with soul? Me, police brutality, want to blame it on the media All lives matter, though, why you acting so remedial? Unarmed black man, killed by that man But you won't stand up or put your hand up and sit Look what they did to Mike Vick Two years for some dogs, whatever gun they can't get No type of justice and no type of loving No type of jury and Trayvon is a thug And Oscar Grant get shot in the back and they did the same to Mike Brown and Freddie Gray. It seems to me we can't get no respect. You can kill a black man, but not no pet. Uh, don't shoot. I can't breathe. I got electric eyes on me. 
ain't a thug, there's no drugs, and I ain't got no guns on me, but now I see, black lives don't matter, black lives don't matter, black lives don't matter, black lives don't matter, don't shoot me down, don't shoot me down, uh, don't shoot me down, uh, shoot me down, uh, shoot me down, uh, don't shoot me down, don't shoot me down, uh, don't shoot me down. little context about that song that was third degree and we always try to chime in and play some of his stuff that's a deep cut called black lives don't matter uh that is not the opinion of the people broadcasting this podcast uh it is uh, certainly a great work that he did this was done back in i think 2015 or 2016 uh i think it's 2016 actually when it was done and uh, i remember where he was at uh when this was happening a lot of the the, the controversy that was happening at the time uh, it's deep, and I think a lot of the meaning of it, and the reason we play it is because there's a lot of truth to it. Um, you know, I, I think all lives matter, uh, really do. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, if you understand the, the words for what it is and you understand what the song is, I think you appreciate the artistry there. So that's their degree, Black Lives Don't Matter. Dude, they have it, okay? And not only do they have it, they probably got a heck of a lot more than just that. And there's a reason called evidence that they didn't go after Orlando Anderson and arrest him because, you know, I'm guessing that by the time that Compton raid happened, they had already convened the grand jury. Because I think one of the other things they got from the grand jury was the Orlando Anderson medical records from Sunrise Hospital because he went there. Well, that's another thing nobody knew, that Orlando Anderson went to the hospital. Okay. So the question, because was he beat up enough? And that's another important question, I think. Was Orlando Anderson beat up enough to the point where he physically could actually do what they said he could do? He's not Superman. If he went and he got his ass kicked, he was talking with them later on. But, you know, as you and I both know, you get that adrenaline going. A half hour to an hour later, you start to feel the pain at that point when things settle down. Sometimes it's not even until, like, the next morning you wake up and you're, like, five degrees of hell because you got your ass kicked the night before in a bar fight and you were drinking or you were just somehow weather anesthetized and you don't necessarily realize it. But the question really becomes in my mind, was Orlando Anderson physically fit or physically capable of doing it? Because let's say he had a couple of busted ribs. Keith Davis says Orlando Anderson was like crawling across the car to try to get a shot off. Right. Isn't that what Keith Davis said that he's like, Oh, you know, crawling over people. Dude, if I had a couple of broken rims, I ain't crawling over fuck all. I'm going to be holding my ribs and sitting in the corner because, I mean, I don't care how much adrenaline you have. When you're hurt, you're hurt, okay? And and so the fact that they pulled those medical records on Orlando Anderson, I think that they wanted to know and verify, was Orlando Anderson physically capable of doing anything if he even got that far? Or when he was at the bar, Corey Everett said that he was at the bar and he was talking about that he'd been kicked in the ribs and he'd been banged up some, they probably want to know how banged up he was. I think all in all, all in all, there, there was enough circumstantial evidence 
to arrest Orlando Anderson if they really wanted to arrest Orlando Anderson, if they felt like he was the the main suspect. But, you know, certainly there had to be some apprehension on Las Vegas' part of why they wouldn't arrest him. Yeah, well... And, 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 you know, I think I, the least we could say for this part, and we'll kind of close it out for this, make sure you guys watch the live stream because we'll put some shit up there you're not going to believe. Live streams on Thursdays. But I think what we can say for purposes of this podcast is that it looks like Vegas PD ought to be given a little bit bigger benefit of the doubt because they were doing a hell of a lot more work than any of us ever gave them credit for. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that they get a little bit more respect from me and from Kazi and from everybody else because, you know, they managed to get grand juries involved without anybody catching on and knowing under the radar that these things were happening. So... I give them major credit for that. We do know they had a grand jury. We know that subpoenas were issued out of the grand jury. We have all that, and we have the fact that the MGM tapes are at the Las Vegas evidence vault. We know that for a fact. Pretty big bombshells for one day, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's not even, that's not even the tip of the iceberg. Just, no way. That's just a little, 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 little factoids that are going to be coming out. Here. Absolutely. And we'll get into more about what all this means as it goes. But uh, this is, I think, a, one, a starting of a turning point for the investigation because there's people like you and there's people like me and half the people that the 25 knuckleheads that listen to the show, you know, I should, uh, let me get that right. It's the 23 knuckleheads, not the 25 knuckleheads. I've got to be sure about that because if I'm going to get a club called the 23 knuckleheads, it's got to be 23. I can't just suddenly say it's 25. You know that. So... Right. knuckleheads unite let's put our heads together let's figure this out and see if we can be reading the tea leaves and try to figure out the direction vegas was going as we plow through this make sense absolutely yes sir certainly does yep so check this out thursday's the podcast kazi's gonna be there rj's gonna be there we're doing it to kazi's house again like we always do and you guys will see some things you've never seen before. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your wife, tell your husband, tell your children, tell everybody out there that there's a, there's a live stream that you're going to see some shit. And uh, we're going to have a good time. But in the meantime, on behalf of Mr. Kazi, anything left you want to say? No, not at all. Just uh, great information. Make, make certain you go to Spotify, go to iTunes, RJ Bottom, what I know, do the search. There's, I think, two, well, not I think, there is two seasons so far. And if you want to just touch up on Tupac information, you certainly want to go there. And that's it, RJ. I look forward to Thursday, uh, Tuesdays. You know, we, we dropped a podcast on Spotify, and yep. Thursdays is always uh, an eye opener. So I look forward to it. We're going to have a good time. Tell your wife, tell your friends, tell your kids, tell anybody who wants to listen. All the knuckleheads, get out there and tell two friends. We'll have a bunch of people listening. Anyway, so on behalf of J.M. Kazi, this is R.J. Bond. That's what I know. What I know, Martin Productions Production, copyright 2019. We'll see you next week.